0: The reason why we call these nights our upper room nights is because we're doing what Acts chapter 2 says. We're people that are devoted to the teaching of the word. We're people that are devoted to the fellowship and the breaking of bread with one another. We're people that are devoted to sharing and doing life together and caring for one another and supplying for each other and growing together. Amen? Would you agree with that? Come on and give God some praise if you believe that. But you know that point at which the church arrived in its beginnings found its genesis not in the moment where the uh, it, it found its it found its genesis in the moment where the the church came together it was about 120 people and they were all together in one accord they were all together in one faith they were all together seeking what god had promised them and in acts chapter 1 jesus said wait and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And you're going to receive power. And this power was to equip them for life. But the thing about it is that for that to take place, they had to grasp something. Something that the early disciples missed at a table. At a table where they sat amongst 12 disciples with Jesus and a few other people that were in the background. And Jesus began to speak to them and tell them about what was to come. Now, I'm just kind of giving you some context. I don't want to dig too much into this. But we must remember that what Jesus did, his death, his, his burial, and his resurrection was for the purpose of redemption. Anybody know what the word redemption means? To redeem, it means to buy back. But it's not simply to buy something back. It's to buy back and to restore it to its original state, right? And so when Jesus was with the disciples on that night that they, saw, they, that they saw as faithful, but he saw as a fruitful night, right, there was a disconnect. Something was going wrong. Because, you see, Jesus was talking to them about leaving. Jesus was talking to them. He flat out told them, I'm going to be crucified. He flat out told them, I'm going to be betrayed. And hey, one of you is going to start that process. One of you is going to deny me. All of you are going to cut tail and leave me alone. And they're all saying, who? Who's the one who's going to betray you? Not me. We're going to stick with you. we would never leave you. No, I'll die with you. And if you know anything about the Bible, you'll see that they all did exactly what he said. But as he was telling them about everything that was to come, they grew sorrowful, while Jesus grew joyful. And, and, and Jesus began to talk to them about the coming of the promised one, the Holy Spirit. He began to tell them about a different life. And this troubled them. This unsettled them. This became a source of anxiousness for them. And the question is, why? Why did that happen? What were they missing? What was it that, that, where was the disconnect between what Jesus was telling them and the restoration that they were lacking sight of? And I want to propose to you that it all begins in John 16, where Jesus says these words to them. He says, I have told you these things. What things? I've told you that I'm going to be crucified. I've told you that I'm going to rise on the third day. I've told you that another one, the comforter, is going to come. That I have to leave so that you can have this perpetual state of comfort, of peace, of new life. And, they, and, and, and so he says to them, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Somebody say peace. Now, I want you to consider what you're thinking about when you hear that. And Jesus says to them, in this world, you will have trouble. So let me just stop for a moment and put on my teaching cap. And I want you to consider what Jesus is saying here. Peace has nothing to do with the absence of trouble. Has nothing to do with the absence of trouble. Nothing at all. If you think peace means no trouble, you don't understand the peace that God gives us. We have no clue as to what this redemption has afforded us, right? And so he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Rejoice. Why? read that with me, I have overcome the world. And so here's what Jesus is saying. Peace, the peace that I give you, what I have redeemed you for, what I have redeemed you back unto is this place where you have peace from God and this peace carries you through trouble and gives you the assurance that you will always overcome because he's overcome. How many of you want that peace, right? Right? We want that peace, right? And so let me tell you a little bit about this word peace because it is the Greek word for the Hebrew word shalom. It's the Greek word Irene. And it's the same as the Hebrew word shalom. And here's what it means: the word Irene, this word peace that Jesus alludes to is a state of national tranquility. So get a picture of what it's depicting. It's peace where the peace surrounds you wherever you go. There's a there's the there's the potential to be in a tranquil, restful, peaceful. I'm 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 good no matter what. It's it's possible to live in that state, right? And so it is a state of national tranquility, it's exemption from the rage and havoc that comes by way of war, right? So no matter what the drama is all around you, no matter what rages against you, no matter who comes against you, you can be in peace. It also means harmony. It speaks of security. It speaks of safety and prosperity. It speaks of joy. And most importantly, it speaks of God's blessing. So let's go back to what Jesus said. He says, peace I give you. I'm giving you tranquility. I'm giving you safety. I'm giving you my blessing. I'm giving you the assurance that no matter what rages, what comes against you, you can be at peace. And though trouble will come, you can rejoice because I overcame. Right? Let me ask you again. How many of us want that peace? Right? Now, here's what concerns me. We're rejoicing because we want it which indicates that for some of us, we don't know that we already have it. We already have that. That comes with our salvation. That comes with the package, right? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, yeah. That that, that comes with that. We have that, right? And so this is the essence of our salvation. This is the essence of what Christ died for and rose again. For, so that he could redeem what we lost at the very beginning. Peace with God and peace with all men. Right? So tonight I want to talk to you on this topic that I feel comes directly from the heart of God. And you're going to see that as we go to the scriptures. I, I don't bring you an opinion here. I don't, I don't want to give you any, any ideas of my own. I want us to consider the word. But I want to talk to you tonight on a change of pace. A change of pace. A change of pace. Because you see, the, the disciples, they were they were running a mile a minute in their minds. They were running a mile a minute in their worries. They were running a mile a minute to their anxieties. Right? They were speeding. They were going at warm speed. They were running a race that was not in step with Jesus in that moment. And how many of you know, you ever, you ever speed in your car? Oh, come on, don't look at me with those righteous eyes. You know what I'm talking about. You, are, you have all sped at some point, right? And if you don't, today's the day of salvation. Don't worry about it. God forgives you for your lying. But have you ever been going, all right, let's not call it in speeding so none of you feel condemned. Have you ever gone a little bit faster than the speed limit, right? And you're, you're so much in a rush to get wherever you're going, and you're so focused on whatever you're thinking that you miss your exit. Yeah. Right? Like you didn't even realize that you passed it. Yeah. Let me tell you why you missed it because you were going faster than you were supposed to. My point with that is simply this the disciples, like us at times, were going so fast in their anxieties, in their thoughts in their worries, in their cares, they were speeding so fast with those things that they were missing the pace at which Jesus was leading them. And they were missing the truth that he was giving them in that moment. Sometimes we speed so fast in life. I mean, we can never outrun Jesus, but we're so accelerated in our life that we miss the truth that lies within us, the peace that's for us, right? The joy that is our strength. So I want to ask you a question before we get started here tonight. At what speed are you living your life? Are you living in step with Christ? Are you living in step with his peace? Are you living in step with with the truth in his word. Are you living in step with the precious promises that he's, that he's giving you? Are you living in step with the gifts and callings that he's anointed you with? Are you living in step with the vision that he's giving you? On, Are you living in step with what he created you for? Yes, because friends, if we're not living in step with Jesus, we're living life at the wrong pace. We're speeding. And I can tell you this from personal experience. If you're speeding, at some point, you're going to crash. It's bound to happen. Because you're going to miss something crucial that can save your life. So tonight I want to talk to you about a change of pace. And I want you to consider the words of Jesus. Again, I don't want to give you an opinion. Let's listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. I'm sure that many of you can quote this back and forth. But can you? are you living it with the same assurance and the same exactness at which you can quote it, right? Are you, are you living this? Are we living this? Jesus said, who said? Jesus. Right? Not Pastor Jose. Jesus said, Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened. You know how you know when you're speeding? There it is. It produces weariness and it produces burden, a burdensome weight in our lives. Life feels heavy. We feel like we can't. Following Jesus and doing what his word says and and going to church and praying and and doing what's right and and, and following the commands in the scriptures, it it feels like a weight. And when that is the case, friends, you're living life at the wrong pace. You're You're trying to get ahead of Jesus. And so he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, say that with me, I will give you what? Rest. I will give you rest. Somebody go, "Ah." That's not the rest that we're talking about. That's not rest. That's not rest. That was a sigh, right? But rest. So I want us to take a moment. I want you to take 10 seconds, just 10 seconds with Jesus. And I'm going to read this to you again. And I want you to consider what is Jesus saying to you? Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden My burden is light. What is Jesus saying to you in this moment? What is Christ, your Lord, your Savior, the one who has given us peace, speaking to you and I in this very moment? And what does it tell you about the pace at which you are running your race in life? Yeah. I think it's important for us to be real. To respond to the truth. To allow it to be a lamp unto our feet so that we can see the guidance that Jesus is offering us tonight. What is Jesus saying to you and I? I can't I can't answer that for you, but I can tell you what it's saying to me. It's saying to me, Jose, you're speeding in some areas. You're missing some things. There's a reason why some things feel like a weight in your life. It happens to all of us. What we begin to see from the words of Jesus is that the rest that he speaks of, speaks us, doesn't just give us the ability to walk with him, but it gives us the ability to learn from him. It gives us the ability to operate from a place of wholeness. You see, God isn't just interested in your eternal salvation. The scripture tells us in 2 Thessalonians that we are spirit, soul, and body so he's interested in our entire being. And when he talks about rest for your soul, he's talking about your mind, your will and your emotions. He's talking about the place through which we filter truth and it begins to impact our carnal lives, our mental state, right? And so he wants to bring rest to us, spirit, soul and body. And the thing that we have to consider is What keeps us from coming to this promise of rest, from arriving at it? And I would submit to you and I is that we're not coming to Christ correctly. If we're not existing, if we're not living, if we're not enjoying and experiencing this rest that Jesus talks about, it's because we're not coming to him correctly. We're not coming to him correctly. See, you and I are not called to carry burdens. You and I are not vessels created to contain weariness. We're not. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, right? And for many of us, here's what we think that means Jesus, here's my anxiety. Jesus, here's what I'm worrying about. Jesus, here's what I'm losing sleep over. Jesus, Here's all these things that I'm struggling with. Jesus, here's what I'm thinking about my future. Here, here, Jesus, right? I'm I'm, I'm laying it all before you, right? So we come to Jesus with with our weariness, with our burdens. But then we do this. We take it back. And what we miss is the divine exchange that Jesus offers us. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. A scripture that asserts what he's saying here is, I believe it's 1 Peter 5, I think it's verse 7 or so, where it says, Cast all your cares upon him because he cares. And when it speaks of casting our cares, it's literally talking about throwing it off of yourself. In other words, it's not mine to carry. I'm not built to carry this. I don't have the capacity to carry this. I don't have the ability to carry this. And the reason why our worries and our anxiousness and our concerns feel so heavy and so, 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 so burdensome is because we don't have the strength to carry them. We're not built to carry it. So Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Rest. Notice what we're supposed to leave with when we go to Jesus. Rest. We're supposed to leave with his peace. That's what we're supposed to leave with. And when we approach Jesus that way, here's what he says. You can learn from me. You can learn from me. Could it be that the reason why some of us struggle so much with our faith, with following Jesus, is because we think we can carry more than we're able to. And because of that, we can't even begin the process of learning from him. Isn't that interesting? So what this all indicates to us is that we must change the pace of our race friends we have to change the pace of our race we have to begin to live in step with christ we have to condition ourselves we have to make the choice to daily walk in step with jesus that makes sense And what that tells us is that we need retraining. We need retraining. We need to begin to train differently. And so I just want to share with you three things on changing our pace. And the first thing that I want to share with you is that a change of pace requires a change in faith. Now, how many of you would say, I have faith in Jesus? How many of you can say that? Okay, not too many of you. All right. I'm in the right place today because I'm speaking directly to you. Right? You missed that one, guys. Wake up. Get back to the place of rest. Let me tell you what I'm talking about when I talk about a change of pace requires a change in faith. Because I know that we all say, I have faith in Jesus. I have faith. But let's listen to what the scripture says in Hebrews 4. Verses 1 through 3. Starting at verse uh, uh, 1, it says, Now the promise of entering God's rest is still for us today. In other words, it's still available. The invitation is open. Right? The door is not closed. Rest is for you, friend. It's for me. It's for us. Whether you believe in Christ or not, it is for you. But it requires us entering. So he says, now the promise of entering God's rest is still for us today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience. FYI, here's what that means in a nutshell. It is up to you and I to choose the peace that comes with our salvation. It is up to you and I to choose the safety that he affords us. It is up to you and I to choose the tranquility that is available to us. It is up to you and I to walk in his blessing. It is up to you and I to walk in step with Jesus. And thus, the scripture tells us that it is up to you and I to embrace the fullness of that. And so it goes on to say, for we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. We've all heard it. Yet they didn't do what? Join their faith with the word. Let's pause right there for a moment. I have faith in Jesus. Great. The proof of faith in Jesus is a faith that is joined to his word. What does that mean? We're walking lockstep in step according to the word of God. Somebody say with me. I love love. Pastor Pastor Jose. Thank you. I feel I feel better already. That's a hard truth. It's a hard truth. But it is a necessary, a necessary truth that we have to begin so not just accept but to do so it says for we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did yet they didn't join their faith with the word instead what they heard didn't affect them deeply for they doubted for those of us who believe faith activated the promise and we experienced the realm of confident rest so here's the thing, faith that is joined with the Word, that walks lockstep yes, sir. with the Word, yes. right? Faith that puts complete dependence and trust in what the Scriptures say. In other words, we are walking in life according to the Word. Now, let me just extend you some grace that's not mine, it's the grace of God. We're going to drop the ball. But that's no excuse to not get back up. Amen. We have the means by which to continue to get up and walk in step with Jesus. It's his word. Amen. We have the ability to continue to learn. But we must understand that for those of us who believe, it is this faith in step with the word that activates this promise of all that salvation affords us. That makes sense? Now, here's what's interesting. All change works by faith. All change. Whether it's good change or bad change, because we are putting faith in something, and that faith leads us to results, right? So whether you believe in Christ or don't, whether you're here in the house or online or you're catching this at another time, we all have faith. But the question is, where is your faith leading you? Right. And it is only faith in the word of God that produces the life that God promises us. Right. So all faith, all change works by faith. When I was a kid, I really wanted to follow Jesus. I really did. Man, I went to the church where the 12 of us were the only ones going to heaven and everybody else was going to hell. And so we praised our hearts out, right? And we, 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 man, we banged on those tambourines, right? We made a joyful, well, we made noise, right? And I really wanted to follow Jesus. But the truth is that my faith was in friends. My faith was in the streets. My faith was in money. My faith was in A lot of different things. And thus, there was a struggle in my confidence, in my relationship with God. And following Jesus felt like a struggle. I share that with you, friends, because if you're struggling or you're wrestling or it just feels weary, you feel weary and burdened, here's the truth, friends, that maybe your faith isn't joined to the word. Maybe your faith is joined to something else. And the reason why you can't break free is because you're not in lockstep with the Word. You're walking in step with something that isn't true. It isn't God. It isn't. And so, according to the Scripture the reason why some do not experience life with Christ and enjoy this rest that he speaks of is because we haven't joined our faith in the Word. And as long as you and I continue to have faith in Jesus and faith in you fill the blank, it'll never work. Because faith is not a, uh, a, uh, an experience that's multiplied and can be spread amongst many things. Faith is singular. Faith is unique. It's one and only. And our faith can only be in Jesus. And it can only be in what his word declares. I'm telling you right now that for some of us, we really need to lock in on this. And we have to ask ourselves, is my faith joined with God's word? Am I really walking according to the word? Because, friends, if we're not, we'll be just like the disciples. We'll have a seat at the table, but we'll miss it. We're speedy. That makes sense? Yes. Second point I want to leave you with here is that a change of pace requires a change in disciplines. Let me say that again a change of pace, walking in step with Jesus requires a change in disciplines, right? Show me your habits, and I'll show you how you're living. Yeah. Show me your habits, and I'll show you how you're living, right? Show me your disciplines, and I, and, 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 and you'll be able to see. It's, it'll be evident whether you're heading to destruction or you're heading to the divine calling that God has for you, Right? What are your disciplines? What are our disciplines? The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, starting at verse uh, verse 24. I'm sorry. He says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Now watch the one who gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training strict training. Strict. In other words, I have to do this to get that. It has to be strict training. This is what my life revolves around. This dictates the choices that I make. This informs how I view the world. How I view my challenges. How I view uh, the the things going on around me, this affects my political views. This dictates my relational uh, interactions with people. This dictates what I do, what, what determines what's right and what is wrong. Strict, strict training. He says they do it to get a crown that will not last. But who? We. we. Come on, say that with me. Who? We. We. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Now watch watch what we learn about this strict training. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I know the aim because the target is displayed in his word. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know the direction I'm supposed to go. I know I have to forgive. No, I know I must forgive. I know I must be a servant. I know I must remain devoted to God. I know I can't continue doing these things. I know that that's not God's best for me, and so I can't continue to go in that direction. However that applies to you and I, we know the truth in our heart. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I have an aim. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. You know, shadow boxing looks cool. It looks great. But get in the ring. And go for contact is what he's saying. Let your faith land on something. Do something with your faith is what he's saying. That makes sense? He says, no, I strike, watch this, a blow to my body. And I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let's leave that verse up for a moment because this is key. Talking about disciplines. The Apostle Paul understood understood something about this body, about what this Bible calls this flesh these desires, these cravings, these wants, right? These ideas, these goals, right? These ideals, these things that satisfy us, that are all about me, myself, my four, and no more. He understood something about that. He understood that those desires, these things that do not factor God into the equation. These thoughts, these beliefs, these mindsets, they have to be disciplined. They have to be disciplined. And what I love about the original language here is that when Paul says, I discipline my body, you nobody know actually says in the Greek, he says, I beat my body into submission. I beat these desires into submission. By the way, You're not supposed to condemn yourself, but you are supposed to beat this flesh into submission. And the reason why we discipline these desires is because as we discipline them, we correct and open the pathway in tandem with God as we follow his word to strength, to peace. Remember, the the goal of training is to grow stronger, to master a deficiency, right, to be better. And God wants you and I to grow. He wants you and I to mature. He wants you and I to walk in step with his word. And so if we're going to change our pace, friends, we have to change our disciplines, Here's a good question to consider. What is Jesus saying to you right now? What needs to change? What needs to change? The last point that I want to leave you with here tonight is that a change of pace requires a change in our willingness to learn from Jesus. Say that again. A change of pace to walk in step with Jesus Friends, it requires a willingness to learn from Jesus. You know, there's no value in being a follower of Jesus if we're not learning from him. It's easy to say, I believe in Jesus. It's easy in this day and age to say, I have faith in Jesus. But the proof of faith in Christ, the proof of being a follower of Jesus is learning from him. It's learning from him to an extent that we walk with him. Let me remind you what we just read a little while ago. Jesus said that for those of us that are weary and burdened, that we should come to him and that he will give us rest. But then he says this, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, you're no longer going in the direction you want like the ox that still needs to learn the pace at which they're supposed to operate to break ground, right? To prepare the field for harvest. You take the young ox that's wayward and strong and hard-headed. I swear, Jesus was talking about me. I don't know about you. he was talking about me. He might be talking about you too, right? But he says, take the young ox and join it with this yoke to an older, more seasoned one. And as this younger one is pushing and pulling and snorting and hauling, eventually he tires out and he realizes this guy's still going. And why am I struggling now? Eventually, he gets the, the picture. He gets the revelation. As long as I walk according to his pace, I'll be able to finish. I'll be able to do what I'm created for. Don't miss this point. I'll be able to see that that ground that was broken begin to bring forth a harvest. It won't be for nothing. And Jesus says, when you take my yoke upon you, then begins the process of learning from me. Learning from me. I love what Galatians 5, 16 says, and then it jumps to, uh, well, let me just read verse 16. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. Right? Walk by the Spirit. Walk lockstep with the Spirit. The original language says, follow after the Spirit. Right, What spirit? The spirit of Christ, the one that now lives in you and me. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And watch this, self-control. That's a disciplined life. That's a life where this body, these cravings, these desires, these wayward thoughts no longer rule. Because I've beat this body into submission. I've made the choice that I am going to follow the way of Christ. I'm going to walk at his pace, not mine. And the scripture says, against such things there is no law. There's nothing that can come against that. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now watch this. Since we live by the Spirit, in other words, we understand that the only way to do this is to follow after the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited. Let us not make life about ourselves. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The point being, friends, that if we're going to change our pace, if we're going to walk lockstep with Christ, we have to come to the place where we accept this. The only way I'm going to learn this is by doing it Jesus' way. It's the only way. It is the only way. And as long as we have alternatives, friends, we will get alternative results from the Word. We will get alternatives to the Word. And those alternatives will fail us every time. And so as we stand tonight and we come to a close, I want to give you a question that we began with. What is Jesus saying to you tonight? What is the word of God? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and our hearing, our hearing that leads to faith, that hearing comes by the word of God. And so what is the word of God inspiring in you right now? What is God saying to you? What's the challenge that you have to face? Yeah. The word has come near to us, the scripture says. It's in our hearts and upon our lips. But what are we going to do with it tonight? What will change from this point forward? How will this impact the pace at which you're running this race of life? Jesus says, do it my way. Do it my way. And the only reason why that feels complicated sometimes, friends, is because we don't want to. It's because we still want to do it our way. How's that working for you, friend? It's not. Lord, tonight, we take a minute to slow down, we pump the brakes on our mind on the thoughts that race in our mind we pump the brakes on all that that we just keep running towards while missing you we're your children Lord loved by you, called by you chosen by you anointed by you destined for good works And tonight, we're at the table, Lord, with you. And in the hearing of your word, Lord, I have this confidence. You tell us that your word is a lamp unto our feet. And I believe that tonight, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are enlightening us. The lights are going off and we're seeing clearly. We're seeing things, Lord, that we were missing. We're seeing areas that we've been lacking in. We're seeing areas where we've been trying to do this in our strength while forsaking yours. And tonight, Lord, we turn back to you. We run to you. We come to you, Lord. And we take your yoke. And tonight, Lord, we've learned from you. But Lord, what we learn isn't just a lesson in class. No, Lord, it's a lesson that has to unfold in life. And tonight we're making decisions here, Lord, to walk in step with your word, to walk this change out, to stop speeding, to live life at your pace. And Lord, I thank you for your promise. Somebody needs to hear this. Your rest is still lived. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that He spoke to you powerfully, and that He met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.